to PRN. Pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad that you joined me here today. Usually I do a guest interview on the first week of the month, but this month was a little different because last week was my 100th episode and I celebrated by putting out a biography episode. If you didn't get to listen to the story of Ida Scudder, I hope you'll go back and check it out. But in today's episode, I do have a guest and I'm excited to reintroduce you to a friend of mine, Lee Ann Setliff. She was one of my first guests. I think she was episode 11. And we are going to talk today about something that's important to both of our hearts, and that is foster care and adoption. May is Foster Care Awareness Month, and I thought this was a great time to bring Leanne back on the podcast to talk more about that. Since our first interview, a lot has changed for her, and she started a nonprofit to help foster parents in this area. And I'm really excited for her to share more about that with you today. Leanne is fun, authentic, transparent, and genuine, and I think that you're really going to enjoy hearing from her today. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Leanne, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you for the second time. And for my listeners who maybe didn't hear you the first time, can you reintroduce yourself and share a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do? Yeah, I'm excited to be here um, and excited to talk with you. Um, my name is Leanne Setliff. I am local to the Catawba County area, um, and my husband Luke and I are foster and adoptive parents. We have um, been licensed for almost six years now. We've had 34 kiddos find um, safe a safe place in our home at, for some period of time, ranging from zero to 18, and Three of those kiddos have um, found a forever home with us and are now adopted. And so I am a stay-at-home mom getting to raise them and and spend my days with them, as well as um, I run, I help run a a nonprofit called Fostering Hope Catawba Valley um, here in this area. Yeah, which I'm really excited to talk to you about today. So when you were on my podcast, I'm thinking it was early 2019, maybe you were episode 11 and now you're going to be episode 101. So some time has passed and lots of things have happened, including a pandemic. Can you catch us up with what's happened in your life and what's different now than maybe was true about you then? Yeah, so I did go back and listen to that episode, which was really actually kind of cool. Um, and two things stuck out to me. One of them was a lot of the things that I said there about foster care and some of the foundational things that I um, talked about, I still very much believe and and are still, even after all, you know, three more years of experience, um, still would tell you the same things. Um, but just have added a lot more and grown a lot in these three years. Um, when I listened to it, the crazy part is between our recording of that podcast and your publishing of that podcast, I decided that I um, felt called, my husband and I decided that um, we felt called for me to stop being a children's minister, which is what I was when we recorded, and that the Lord was moving moving our ministry to our home. 
um, and so de- made the um, decision that I would become a stay-at-home mom. We felt like the kids that we had, um, that we were on track to adopt, really needed a little bit more of my attention. We felt like we could take another placement um, if I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I also really felt this call to start a grassroots nonprofit as well. And so a lot has changed. We, I was not an adoptive mom at that point. Um, but since then we have adopted two children. We got the third placement that we, that I quit my job to come home for, and he is also adopted. And so, um, and the nonprofit Fostering Hope Catawba Valley actually came out of the lunch of foster and adoptive moms that I talk about in the the previous podcast. So it's actually really cool to to listen to that podcast and think about all the changes that the Lord um, was making in that time and how things are, are different. Yeah, wow, that's a lot different. So since our first podcast, you've adopted three children, you started a nonprofit and a podcast, which we're also going to talk about. And you switch jobs, so to speak, like a ton of things are different in your life. My goodness. Oh, well, I really want to talk to you about Fostering Hope Catawba. I'm having you on the podcast in May because it is Foster Care Awareness Month and foster care is something that's important to both of us. And I wanted to have you back on the podcast because Fostering Hope Catawba is such a beautiful and hope filled, I think, ministry. So I really wanted to dive into that with you today. Can you talk about what it is, how it came to be, and kind of what needs it serves in the community? Sure. So our mission statement, just because it's a good, you know, kind of recaps everything, is that Fostering Hope Catawba Valley, we strive to support the physical, emotional, and social needs of children in foster care and the village that surrounds them through connecting the Catawba Valley community. As I said, I felt like the Lord was calling me to start some kind of grassroots nonprofit because I began to see a few pieces um, that were prevalent in my journey. I began to see um, that fostering is lonely um, and to really um, do it well and for a long term and to, to be healthy as a foster parent. Um, you have to have a village, whether that village looks like people showing up with diapers after you get a, a placement, a newborn placement. Um, we got our son. We had 30 minutes notice that he was being discharged from the hospital as a newborn to us. And we had nothing for him. Um, and we had a, a village that showed up with our porch and provided everything we needed within the hour. Um, so I, I, I realized as I began to talk to other foster and adoptive parents that not everybody had that kind of village. And so I began to see that there needed to be some kind of community established within fostering, the foster care community. I also began to see that we, Catawba County is a very generous and um, loving um, towards their neighbor community in general. There's lots of nonprofits that, that take care of, the, na- the neighbors of Catawba County. Um, and so I knew that it was a, I knew from my experience with my village that the, the desire to help children in foster care was there. 
um, maybe not the ability to bring them into their home, um, but there was no connection to what the actual needs of the foster children, children in foster care were, and um, no way to connect them because really children in foster care can be an invisible people group. If you don't know that they're there, they, they're, they're kind of invisible. They kind of are a part of, they blend into society. And so what I began to realize was I had, there were, there were this generous community that wanted to help, but really had no connection except for fostering. So it was like zero or a hundred. There really wasn't um, anything in in the middle, but, but as a foster parent, I knew that I needed a car seat and I needed diapers and I would really appreciate a freezer meal on the days that I had sat in court all day long and different things. And so the vision that I had for a nonprofit would a create community for people who were fostering. It would connect the resources of the generous, um, people in the community to the children in foster care with, with the needs that they had. Um, and then it would also advocate for children in foster care so that people knew that they were there and they were not a invisible people group anymore, but they were um, Susie who lives down the street and Joey who comes to the church nursery. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the calling and the vision and um, the, I was able to connect with a group of churches that had already had a small foster care ministry. Um, and the pastor who was in charge of that ministry was retiring. And he had prayed, Lord, if you know somebody to take this ministry, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lay it down. Um, and the next week we had the foster adoptive lunch. And one of his congregate members said, hey, would you be interested in foster care ministry? Um, and so I was, cause that was, you know, what I was feeling the Lord calling me to do. And so I was able to connect with that, that group of churches and kind of rebrand it. And um, it has just grown and grown and grown. The Lord has just really blessed it in the last three years. I mean, um, we are continually amazed at the doors that he has opened and, how he has provided for this nonprofit and through the nonprofit for the children in care. Yeah. So. I mean, when I see what you guys are doing now, I'm a little sad because when I was in foster, when I was doing foster care, there was no such thing. <laughs> and, and I really would have benefited as a foster parent from having a community like that. You're so right. Not only I think are the kids invisible, that's the worst part. But I think sometimes foster parents in a way are invisible as well because people think you are a superhero. Like, well, I don't know how you do all the things that you do. I could never do it. Well, we don't always do it well. We really need help. We really need support. And so I love that you're giving the community practical ways that they can jump on board without having to, like you said, zero to 100, without having to fully become a licensed foster parent themselves, that there are ways that they can help people who already are doing those things or be educated more about it. Yes. And actually it's funny you say that my, um, one of my teammates, um, she and her husband have been fostering for 14 years and I will jokingly tell her like, 
we're spoiling these new foster parents. Like I had to come up with a car seat on my own. Like, you know, obviously joking, but it's true. I was like, this is, is so much better. Um, But that also directly impacts the, the um, health of the foster family to then be able to hopefully see that placement through instead of, um, instead of having fatigue and then the placement fall through and then you have a child move. Um, and so the support of the foster family directly impacts the child, the child in foster care. Um, and so it's all about the longevity and the health of the foster family that directly impacts the child. And so part of what we do is provide for the physical needs. So we um, provide cribs and twin beds and bunk beds that have all been donated by the community. We provide car seats. Um, last year, we gave out 48 car seats um, to children in care. And uh, we provide emergency kits. We provide one of my favorites, which is baby shower and a laundry basket. So when you get a baby, um, it's basically a, a baby shower, like it sounds, in a laundry basket. Everything you get at a baby shower, you get in in a laundry basket and so that you're prepared and ready to take care of this baby. Um, and we go from zero to two on those. Um, diapers. Um, one of my favorites too is freezer meals. Um, and that's really, that's physical. To me, that's also emotional support um, just because it can be long and tiring days of appointments and court and visits and uh, trauma meltdowns and all of the things. And so just to, to be able to say, Hey, we're going to provide you dinner tonight. And that's one last thing on your plate. Um, we also do support groups, which are huge and community events. Um, and then some other fun things as well. But those are those are the highlights of, of what we do. Well, that's so cool. Um, I'm just curious, how many people along with you do Fostering Hope, like help lead? Because I know you're not doing this by yourself single-handedly, right? Correct. We have, um, it is it has varied over the last three years, um, but it has been 11 adoptive or foster moms. Um, and so there are 11 of us who do this. Um, and what I love about it is that we've all been there. And so we know what's helpful to a foster and adoptive mom. I, I see some, some nonprofits who do well and mean well, um, but what they're providing foster families are not what I as a foster family would, would need or desire. Um, and so I just love that um, we're able to say, actually, if, like you said, if somebody had come and offered me a freezer meal on the day of court, it would have been really helpful. And so we're able to say, take, take what our experience and, and figure out what, what the needs really are. Yeah. Okay. Friend, let's talk about your podcast. Okay. Friends of foster care. <laughs> I'm remembering a couple of years ago when you came to me and you said, okay, you podcast, tell me how to do this thing. <laughs> so from that point to now, tell me what has doing a podcast, what has that been like? What has the journey been like? Have you enjoyed it? Who is your audience? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, pod, the podcast, Friends of Foster Care, it started mainly because for advocacy and recruitment um, for children in care. The number one recruitment tool for foster parents 
is personal testimony. So how do you program personal testimony or how do you take personal testimony and allow lots, lots of people to, to hear it? Um, and so I've been mulling over that question for a long time. Um, as you know, I've, I've been on the recruitment committees for, um, DSS. So it's always constantly like, what, how do we recruit? How do we recruit? How do we recruit? And what I began to realize is that podcasting is a great way to record and share personal testimony. But what else, what I also began to realize was that I, man, Jenny, I am deeply grateful for the people and the stories that I have gotten to to hear and, and lives that I've gotten to, to be a part of our friends that I've met because of this journey. Um, it is, it's holy privilege to be in community with so many of these people. And what I began to realize with that is that I would not know any of them uh, if I was not a foster and adoptive parent. And so friend, the, the title friends of foster care came because I thought, these are my friends because of foster care, but I have developed deep friendships with these people. And so I love, especially when one, some of my dear friends come on and I know their stories and their stories have deeply impacted me, but then I get to help share their stories with the community in hopes that um, their stories would deeply impact others, um, especially for um, advocacy for children in care. So I've gotten to interview um, social workers. I've gotten to interview um, lot, lots of friends who are foster adoptive parents, some guardian ad litems. Um, I think uh, we got to interview the director of DSS and um, a judge who is a part of the child welfare system. And what I have taken away from it all is just how deeply we all are called to this thing that we call child welfare, but our calling all looks different because of the way God's gifted us. And so um, when I talk to my social worker friends, they have, some of them have very distinct calling that the Lord told them they needed to go you know, into social work. And I'm like, that's amazing because I have a calling, but it's not to social work. It's to the foster parent side. And, and so just to see the way that the Lord uses people's gifts and talents um, to come alongside and, and be the village for kids who, who don't have a village and who need that village to come alongside them is pretty cool. That is so cool. I love that. I love that. And really, I've enjoyed that about my podcast as well, hearing people's stories and getting them out there. Because some of the people that have been on my podcast are not widely known people, but they have important stories to share. Yours are specific to the community that you're serving and they're really important stories. And I love that you've given a platform for that. That's so cool. Leanne, I feel like talking to people over the years, I've noticed that there are a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions about foster care and adoption, usually really well-meaning, but nonetheless, there are a lot of them. What are some of the misconceptions or common misunderstandings that you hear a lot about when you're talking with people about foster care? Oh, goodness. Um, how many am I allowed to tell you about? Um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a few really quickly. One of them is 
Um, I could never get do that. I would get too attached, which is the entire point of foster care. Um, we know that in in order for a child to um, grow and and heal and attach, they ha- they have to have somebody to attach to. And so we as grown ups are healthy enough to walk through the grief of what that might look like at the end of the journey. And so um, when people say I could get too attached, um, we say, yes, that is the entire point. Um, That means you would be good at it. So that's number one. Number two, I think there's a big misconception that the foster care system is solely to take children from homes and put them in adoption or adopt, put them up for adoption. And there's not really a middle. Um, And that is a big misconception. The whole point of foster care is to um, protect a child who might be, who is in a unsafe home and place them in a safe home so that there can be healing and that there can be um, time for the birth family to create a safe home for that child to then return to. So the primary goal of foster care is always reunification. Um, it is always to help a family become safer for the child. Um, the, if it gets to a point that a, a parent cannot make their home safe, then that child, um, those the rights will be terminated as, for adults, and then the child will be put up for adoption, and an adoptive home will be found so that they can be in a safe, permanent home for the rest of of their childhood and their lives. But the primary point is reunification. One of the things I really like, this is a side note about fostering hope, but one of the things I really like is I appreciate looking at the numbers of, we keep statistics of who we care for and who, who, what supplies we provide and that type of thing. And we provide a lot of supplies for both birth and kinship families. Um, because we believe, just like the foster care system, um, that, you know, children need to be in safe homes and reunification is the goal. And so we want to come alongside some of those birth families and support them in that way, too. So that's a, a big misconception. I think another big misconception that I um, live in every day is that we have this misconception that the adoption date is this like magic thing that happens um, that children come from hard places. They experience trauma. They come to a foster home that then turns into an adoptive home and the adoption day happens and like everything's fixed. Um, and it's all rainbows and unicorns. Um, and that's a big misconception. Um, the things that they live through um, from the time they are conceived to the time they come in, you know, to the adoption day is part of their story and their journey. And it it's with them and they carry that with them. And um, it goes long past the adoption date. Um, and so even when a case is closed, even when an adoptive child shares a name, adoption comes out of grief and loss and trauma. And so therefore, the journey of healing um, is is there for for a long time for the rest of their lives, um, and I think something that I am learning 
about trauma and children, raising adoptive children as well, is that um, love doesn't fix all things. Um, and some of some of our kids, he, trauma and their healing might not happen this side of heaven. And that's really hard to um, realize and live into, but it's part of the journey. Yeah, that's all three of those. I agree with 100%. I'm going to tag on to your last one for a second. Um, so I am a counselor. So I know about trauma and I knew what what could happen when you adopted. But I think when you go in, you still have all this hope that it won't happen to your kid or it won't happen in your situation or it's not always going to be the case. And I think for a lot of people going into foster care and adoption, it looks like a glorious ministry and the day-to-day of it can be very hard and full of grief, both for the kids and for the parents. Not not every second, obviously, but but what you're saying is true. There's so much loss involved, some of which they're not even able to express, but their bodies remember. And so it comes out in behaviors or on celebration days that you think would be happy, but it's a birthday and an anniversary. And so they have a meltdown because it brings up all kinds of stuff from their past. And so it's a little bit like walking through a minefield sometimes to be a foster or an adoptive parent. It does. Um, And, you know, I start, we started this journey and six years ago and and I came into it and I was like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to give a kid a safe place. Like I'm going to change their diapers and I'm going to make sure that they have food on the table and I'm going to take them to visits. And um, it, it was at the, I can distinctly remember a moment when I, um, realized we were adopting our oldest and I thought man like this is not just day-to-day caring for her anymore like I'm gonna parent her forever I've got to have some kind of game plan like I've got to like be intentional about this I've got to move from just day-to-day caring to you know long-term parenting and and that type of thing and I I think once I made that switch the emotions of parenting an adoptive child are so much more than I ever dreamed of when I first signed up to, to change a baby's diaper and keep her safe every month. And I, and so if you had told me six years ago, the emotions of, of being an adoptive parent who as adoptive parents, we're the only ones who choose to be in the adoptive triangle, right? For the most, usually for the most part that the birth child doesn't choose. And, and, through foster care, typically the, the, the birth parents don't choose to be in this adoptive triangle. Um, but it doesn't mean that the emotions aren't there. Um, and that we don't have to work on our own stuff as we walk with our kids as they, you know, work on their stuff. Preach that sister. That's right. (laughs) That is right. And that is a really great segue to talk about soul care. (laughs) So with three children, a ministry, a podcast, more than that, really, but that's the tip of the iceberg. I know you're a really busy woman. What are some of the ways that you're focusing on your own soul, your own soul care these days? What does that look like? Yeah, so um, 
I think the pandemic was really hard in some ways and in some ways it was really beneficial to slow us all down a little bit um, and kind of refocus what matters and what that looks like. And so in different ways, uh, Luke and I are def- are in a Bible study um, consistently now, and that um, has just been huge in terms of soul care. In terms of physical care, um, honestly, and this is may sound really silly, but um, back in November, right before uh, daylight savings time happened, I turned to Luke. I'd never admitted this to him before, but I looked at him and I said, I, I'm pretty sure that I have seasonal anxiety and um, I've noticed that it flares when I, or if it is better when I exercise and am in the sunshine and I'm off social media. And so he looked at me and said, well, let's walk five miles a day. Um, Like let's get five miles on our Fitbit every single day. And so every day since November 6th, when the daylight savings times changed over, we have gotten five miles five miles a day on our, um, on our Fitbit. And that has just been so life-giving for my mental health, for my physical health. Um, and also a lot of the times that I get to walk, I walk with my friends. And so it's also a relate or Luke or my family. And so it's that relational self-care as well. Um, that has kind of been really beneficial in this season. Um, I take a lot of naps. Um, Every my four year old and I take a nap every day um, together. I lay him down. I think that's my excuse. I'm like, oh, I've got to lay him down or he won't nap. Um, and so I take a nap with him. And um, and and I think a big part of my self care as well is is learning that as the world opens up, I don't have to put everything back into where it was, and I don't have to fill my schedule. And so being really intentional about what goes back on the calendar has also been a big piece of self-care. I love that. Um, I asked you about a scripture on the last podcast, so I'm going to ask it differently this time. Is there a particular scripture or passage or Bible verse that the Lord has been using in your life lately? So I was thinking about this, and I'm going to answer it differently than you asked it. Um, Luke and I have been been in, in the book of Matthew for the whole year. Specifically, the book of Matthew teaches has been teaching me a lot of things, but the theme that has continued to come up every single, not every single time, but just often is the heart of the matter um, and that the world sees our actions, but the Lord sees our heart. And that just continues to come up in many, many passages in scripture and as a Enneagram two, who does a lot of like good actions and oftentimes if not caught with the motivation to be loved, um, it just has been teaching me, um, that the Lord sees our hearts and to continually be, um, turning to the Lord, what my actions and my motivations and my heart, my heart reasonings for doing some of the, my, what I do every day. Um, and that was what the Lord is really like sitting with me in, if that makes sense. Yes, it totally does. As another Enneagram two who struggles with motivations on a consistent basis. <laughs> and speaking of that, um, I don't know where in Matthew you guys are right now, but I did a Bible study on the Sermon on the Mount a couple of summers ago. 
which is chapters five to seven. And it really is talking a whole lot about what, what you're mentioning right now. And I'm thinking, I mean, there's a bunch of verses that relate, but the one, (laughs) the one that really sticks out to me is don't let your left hand know what your right, right hand is doing. Because I think as Enneagram twos, we often do really good things for people. And it's not like our motivations are horrible or anything like that, but also we kind of struggle with pride sometimes or wanting recognition or (laughs) that kind of thing. Knowing our motivations and giving that over to the Lord, that's a big deal. I love that. Thank you for sharing. It is. And Beatitudes. um, we were studying the Beatitudes in October and we had a teen with us that month um, who was probably one of the, she was one of the hardest placements we've had. And the Lord just like, we were both in the Beatitudes and the Lord just met us there. Um, especially in how we related to, um, to this teen. And so I was just deeply grateful that, that that's where we were and that the Lord was using it. And, um, just felt really led by the spirit in that particular placement more than more than maybe some other placements that we've had. That's really cool. Okay. If people want to know more about, usually I say more about you, but I don't know that you want people to go follow you, but if people want to know more about fostering hope or just fostering in general or adoption, um, where can they look it up or where can they find more information? Yeah, so we have a website that is fosteringhopecatawa.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram as Fostering Hope Catawba Valley. Um, And so that's a great way to just connect. And our podcasts are on the website, our activities, how to donate, how to to become involved, um, and become a part of the village for kids in foster care. So Leanne, I'm going to make sure that I post all of your website information and contact information in today's show notes. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was really fun to have you. Is there anything we didn't get to talk about that you would want to say? I think I would just encourage the listeners, um, wherever you are, whether you're in Catawba County in North Carolina, wherever, there's a way to come alongside children in foster care. It doesn't mean that you open your home to them, but I encourage you to figure out what that way is Um, because we as followers of Jesus are called to care for the widow and the orphan. And in today's modern day society, um, children in foster care are, are the modern day orphan. And so I just challenge you to figure out a way, big, small, uh, medium, what that looks like to come alongside. Um, a child in foster care. Amen. Thanks again, Leanne, for being on today's podcast episode. I always enjoy talking to you. Friends, if you want to learn more about her nonprofit or ways that you can get involved, I will link to her information in today's show notes. Well, friends, this is the last episode of season four. I'm going to take a break this summer to spend some time with my children while they're home from school, to redo my website, and to work for some upcoming stuff for season five. Don't you worry though, 
There are 101 episodes that you can go back and listen to if you're missing PRN this summer. And you can look forward to new episodes coming out in August. Friends, I hope that you have a blessed summer and I will talk to you again then. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.